Hello and welcome to our Resurrected Identity Podcast. Just so excited to get into the scripture today and and uh, it's such good stuff. And, and, you know, as we discover together, you know, who we are in Christ and, and the new creation that we are and how we can live that out day to day. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And um, before we get started, I would love to say a prayer and pray over this. So, Father God, we come before you right now. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that, that when we come to know you, that something miraculous happens, that a new identity has been placed on us, and we are now your child. And, Father, I pray that as we look through the scriptures today, that you will renew us and you will teach us. And God, we trust you and we love you. And we say all these things in your name. Amen. All right. So before we dive in, I wanted to kind of tell just a bit of a story about how I came to learn this message of my identity in Christ. It all happened in 2009 when I was interning at a, at a church in Monument, Colorado with a man named Kevin Walker. Um, I've known Kevin, you know, since I was in the ninth grade. He was a wonderful man of God and was just such a phenomenal worship leader and taught us all about worship and, and how to worship and why we do certain things in worship, why we lift our hands, why we, you know, get on our face before God or... or bow on our knees and and he showed scripture that went along with that it was just it, just an amazing time many many powerful times of worship so had the opportunity to intern with him and when I went out there one of the things that we we worked started working on was the heart and um, that was the main thing actually I mean the the worship leading was part of it but it was mainly How's your heart, and how 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 are you hanging out with Jesus, and how are those times going? So, um, but I read this book and um, called "When the Rest of the Gospel Has Worn You Out," <laughs> and uh, remember that book very 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 uh, intimately. And and um, you know, after I I looked through through that and discovered in Scripture, you know what who we are now. Um, one of the first passages that I learned this from was Ephesians 2, one through, verses 1 through 10. So we're going to unpack that just a little bit. I wanted to give you a little bit of the backstory on, or just, just the overall kind of scope of the book of Ephesians. And um, so first of all, this book is, is, is written, you know, to, to tell the church not only their identity, uh, to show them who they are, but also the, the book kind of, as it unfolds, it talks intently about what the church is to do as well and, and, and the conduct of the church. And um, then it talks about, you know, the interrelationship between the Jews and the Gentiles during the time and you know, the, the, the book opens with a lot of cosmic language about who Christ is and how he's the reconciliation and 
all these wonderful things and freely gives gifts. I mean, it's just, it is so packed with, with amazing things. And we're definitely going to dive into that. But I wanted to hone in on chapter two, because there's a, there's a lot of identity stuff in here that, that we need to flesh out and learn about, because I'll be honest with you, I was saved when I was 18 years old, if you've listened to my story. But after that, I didn't really, I, I still had an issue with, with who I was. I didn't really know, and honestly, until I went to a Monument, I didn't understand even really what identity was. And, and just to kind of give you a working definition, a very short one, to keep it simple. The identity is a birthright. You know, the word teaches us that we've been bought with a price. And this new identity that Christ puts on us when we receive him and when he comes to dwell and the Holy Spirit is moving in us, we are not the same, period. We are different, forever changed. So... All right, um, I'm going to go ahead and read through this. If you want to read along with me, I'm, I'm actually, um, but you can, you can just listen too, and that's, that's perfect, but here we go. So Ephesians 2, verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. All right, so I'm going to stop there and talk about this first block here. Kevin gave me the greatest illustration of being dead. And I always use it because it just, it, it puts it into perspective. So before Christ, you and I were bound up, chained up, mouth duct taped up, and we were at the bottom of a lake, drowning, dead, dead, dead. Just hoping, hoping that somebody would swim by. And in fact, and save us. In fact, in this scripture, we see that we, there was nothing that we could do to get out of that. Um, we were spiritually dead. In fact, we were spiritually, we had no clue, no clue of anything that could help us. We had no clue. We had a problem. And it all goes back to the garden, okay? It goes back to the original sin of Adam, and the fact that you and I and everyone, in fact, everyone that is born, is born into this original sin, and we are spiritually dead. And there is nothing that we can do to get out of that in that moment. We need a Savior. We need God to step in and do something because we're drowning and we don't even know it. You know, when it talks about here in, in verse 2, the prince of the power of the air, I'm sure we can all figure out who that is. And his name is Satan. He's the evil one. He's the, 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 
the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that is the prince of the power of the air. And, and that language in there talking about the air, you know, the evil spirits that, that are in, you know, in the heavenly realms, in the, in the bad, in the, just the bad space, there's evil spirits that are, that are there. We were, in, in fact, we weren't only just, we, wa- we were walking according to what he said, according to these verses here. And we were, we formally lived in these things and the lust of our flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath. That goes back to the garden, that nature thing. So we were doomed. But we needed a savior. Now this next part, I'm going to go ahead and read this next block of verses. Here we go. So verse four says this, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. And then my favorite, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love those verses. So back here in verse four, that but God. You know, I was telling you uh, about my time with Kevin and and I'm going to talk about it a lot um, because it's so near and dear to my heart. But that, that little conjunction, but right there, that's a huge thing. Kevin called it the holy but. <laughs> so the, the holy conjunction, right? So we have all this stuff in the preceding verses, in, in the first three verses here, telling us how dead that we are, and we were completely dead, lifeless spiritually. But God, being rich in mercy, because of who God is, because of his rich love and his mercy that he has, he reached down and he provided a way for us, for you and me. You know, we often hear about the wrath of God and the the love of God. Well, both the wrath and love of God can be seen on the cross. See, you have to understand God is perfect. God is holy. There can be no sin in his midst. And when he had to send his son to the cross to be a ransom for many, that was a perfect picture of not only his immeasurable love, but his wrath as well that was carried out. And again, it all goes back to the garden, to the original sin that happened. God is perfect. God has to punish sin. 
and, and whether that's hard for you and I to talk about, and, and we need to understand it. But also what we need to understand is that he had great love for us and mercy. And you know, he, when he sent his son to die on the cross, and when that miraculous event happened, and then he rose on the third day, the exciting part is, according to these verses, you and I, if we know him, if we truly have a relationship with him, then we, we participate and we have actually received those same blessings from God. Look at this. So number one, he made us alive. He made us alive in verse five. Even when we were completely dead and against God, enemies of God, he made us alive. And then he raised us up with him. So he raised us up with Christ. Is that not crazy? <laughs> and the third thing is he seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. You and I are seated in heaven with Christ. I don't understand it, but I think it's really cool. <laughs> and I love to discover these truths about who we are. So, and then the reason he did this, it's all for his glory. Look in verse 7. In order that the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What a miraculous plan. And friends, when we begin to truly understand, not only in our head with who we are, but in our heart, we share that with people. I want everyone that I know to know this message. You can be completely renewed and changed. I love it. And, and this is all for God's glory. And the other thing in these verses is it's, been by, it's by grace that you and I are saved. There is nothing that you and I can do to earn salvation. There is no way. You can't be good enough. You cannot do anything. Why? Because we were dead. We were dead. You know, a dead, a dead person doesn't do a lot of anything. They just, you know, there's no response. They're dead. They're gone. That was you and I before Christ. So it's by grace that we're saved, and it's not by what we do. And it's activated by this faith that we have. And it's a gift. It's a complete gift. God is so merciful and kind. And so this thing, this thing of salvation, this thing of our new identity in Christ, it's not about what we do. And when we come to know Christ and when we come to understand our identity and walk in him, there's this rite of passage, if you will, as you're walking through this thing and me being having a background of being performance-based, it's very difficult for me to understand that it's finished. It was finished at the cross. And that there's nothing I can do to gain any more from God. There's nothing I can do to lose anything from God. 
I'm human. I'm going to deal with, with sin. We all deal with sin. And I'm not minimizing. Please don't think that I'm minimizing that. But at the same time, when we grovel in that, we lose valuable, valuable time. When all we need to do is agree with God in who we are in Christ. Agree with it. Confess it. Repent. Move on. Stand up and say, I am a holy, blameless saint of the living God. And the scripture also teaches us that he looks upon the lowly. So we're to be low before the Lord. But the proud he knows from afar. So I'm not going to sit here and be proud and try to act like I have it all figured out. In fact, if I'm going to try to work to gain things from God, that flies in the face of his gift and his grace. So I remain weak, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, so that he, that his power, can be displayed through my weakness. It's all part of this upside-down kingdom. Everything is upside-down. It's the opposite of what you think. My weakness is when God shows up. So it's not through my works. It's through this wonderful gift of God. And then my favorite, favorite, favorite verse, and then we'll be done. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So not going into too much of the Greek here, um, I am taking Greek this semester, and it's really exciting, so I'm going to bore you with some of it sometime, but I won't get a go there right now. <laughs> However, I do want to talk about this workmanship here. Um, that word in Greek means to make, and so when that when he's talking about that, well, it's the created word that means to make, but when he's talking about that, and we say that we see that it means to make in English. Well, if you think about that, that does, doesn't really hold a lot of weight. But if you go and dive into really what this word is talking about, it, God is crafting. He crafted you and I. He crafted you and I. He is a master craftsman. So I want you to think about somebody who is amazing with, with woodwork or something, that they just build the most beautiful pieces or their most beautiful artwork, whatever. Think of it like that. So God is painting this miraculous picture with your life or building this miraculous piece with your life and with my life because he loves us. You know, I think about David. I think about all the turmoil that David went through and all the things that he did against God. But yet God still called him a man after his own heart. And if you don't know all the stories, you can go back and read. And you can learn about David and you can learn about his struggle and his fall. And you can see that God tells, that, tells him that he is a man after his own heart. So friends, if David, doing all the things that he did, the adultery, the, 
the killing of uh, having Uriah killed and, and all these things, if God can forgive him, if God can look upon him in his repentance and brokenness and say those things that he's a man after his own heart, then friends, he does the very same thing for you and I every day. So think about that. You are his workmanship. You are a beautiful piece of art that God is creating. And these works that he, he puts in front of us, the good works, we're to walk in them. We're to stay in step with God. It's a good way to think about it. Does that mean that it's perfection? Absolutely not. But what it does mean is that we can remain in Christ and abide in him each moment. And as we do that, he begins to reveal things to us. He moves deeply in our hearts. We see the works that he puts before us, and we walk in them, and we understand who we are. We understand our position with him. And that, friends, is the most amazing message to learn from God. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. I hope this encouraged you and you will walk daily in the good works that God's placed before you as the master craftsman of your life. Be blessed.